price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today Oscar winner Viola Davis is not just good, but she is great. In an epic battle movie based on a remarkable true story, it's called The Woman King. Plus, Peter Farrelly, he wrote and directed the 2018 Oscar-winning film called The Green Book, is back with a wild, also true story about buddies during the Vietnam era. It's called... The greatest beer run ever. Yes, it is. It is. I'm Somalia Haley Hamilton Cogill, and I'm thrilled to pair The Woman King with a royal wine deserving of the fearless leader that is as powerful and intense as Viola Davis's performance. Wow, you liked it. I Very yes. much so. That's the queen of all wines, a stunning Barbaresco from Piemonte. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And why in the world would you pair a wine with it? So for The Greatest Beer Run, we will dive into the history of the film's future brew, a little PBR. PBR, that's Paps Blue Ribbon. It is scary. Wow. We, I think both of us, were really surprised, so incredibly pleasantly surprised by Woman King. So I, I remember reading about it and reading all these intense, great reviews. And, I, and then I looked at the trailer and I thought, well, that's Viola Davis, in an, and it's not a Marvel movie. It's not. But it's based on this true story, and it's directed by a woman named Gina Prince-Bythewood. I've never heard of her. She's a television director, but she did back in 2000, which is, what, 12 years ago uh, or 20 years I ago? I was going to 22 <laughs> years ago. It did a film called Love and Basketball, which was a very oh, good film. Oh, that's a great film. It's a really great little film. But, is uh, Kate Diggs in that? Uh, I think he might be in that. I'm not sure. But this one was getting like 99, why not 100%, but 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. It 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 did modest business. It, it's done about $55 million domestically. Well, you said that there, and, and coming out, there were a lot of just automatic haters saying that it wasn't going to represent. There was a small group of people that wrote about, because this takes, well, let me, let me set this up by saying it, it, it's, it takes place, I think, in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And it's a group of, and it's true. I did. I had no idea this group existed, so I learned a lot. But it's a group of all female warriors that uh, protect this African kingdom of Do, uh, Dahomey uh, with their skills and their fierceness, kind of like any, unlike anything that I've ever even heard of. And they're faced with a new uh, threat. So the general, played by Viola Davis, because it's all female. She trains the next generation of recruits to fight against this foreign enemy that's determined to destroy their way of life. And, you know, at one point, that was a 6,000-strong regiment of female palace guards in approximately around the 1700s. 
And then at the time, the Agoji were the only female soldiers in the world that fought in wars. Wow. And just that alone. And then to pull this off, a director I've never heard of, Viola Davis can do no wrong in my book. But she is not good, but Oscar level and great in this film. And I, it's kind of like Wonder Woman meets Gladiator meets Spartacus, mm-hmm. with an emphasis on Gladiator and Spartacus more than Wonder Woman. But one of the takes on the thing, because this is back at a time when they're importing slaves to it's all the around whole, the world, yeah, the, the whole, whole the, colonialism. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're basically trying to 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 fight slavery. So the, the take is, and I read this article, and then when I saw the movie, I didn't agree with the article at all. The article was saying uh, this doesn't deal with slavery, that slaves, uh, or, or that black nations in Africa, or nations in Africa actually so, sold slaves to each other, and they were exporting slaves as well, including this group. Right. And so they're a kingdom, and I think they address this, the opening scene in the movie, mm-hmm. and they talk about it a lot. They and it's talk a, about it a lot. It's a main emphasis of the film that the nation is not perfect. Right. And it's not this perfect, you know, it's not Wakanda. It's it's this nation in Africa, and they and, and well, yeah, and they were involved in the slave trade, but then they weren't, and then they were, and then— and Well, and I think the bigger, the bigger takeaway or the bigger sto- <clears throat> story of this, and that's what the Viola character Davis was trying to— um, implement, and I think hopefully at the end got across, is that there are other ways to make money for your kingdom aside from selling people. Aside from selling people. And it's and a profound, it's it, profound. Absolutely. You take care of your own, you build your own, you, you, you grow your own. Right. You you don't have to you don't have to do this. And, and I thought an, it was very well done. And they bring up an industry in the film that they're dabbling with, and so they decide to do that even more by the end. But I I just and listen, it's not a documentary about no, that, not at all. Know. It's it's incredibly entertaining and and really quite emotional. I think both of us sadly cried about ten times. I, in this I think movie. five to ten times. I was really teary eyed, yeah. uh, partly because. The people in the film are so beautiful. And so sincere. Viola Davis and all the young women around her. You know, and the men are, t- I mean, it's tough. Mm-hmm. John Boyega from Star Wars mm-hmm. is the king, mm-hmm. and he's kind of no nonsense. And he's the king, and he's got a huge concubine, and he's got all kinds of stuff going on. He has lots of wives. He has lots of girls. <laughs> they were all his wife. But they he all, just got to have lots of them. <laughs> I'm not judging, but at the same time, this is what's going on. And But these warriors, you know, the emphasis here is on female warriors. And the strength and the power. And the strength and the power that they have. And they will take you down in a nanosecond. And they do often in this movie. This is a wild, bloody film. It's not, it's not a little friendly little PG movie. Yeah. About girls, it's not, and it's there's some sadness to it, and there's some tragedy to it. But man, what a surprise! I haven't, I haven't been, I don't think I've been surprised in quite a while like that. I love that in a good way. I love that. We're surprised in a bad way every once in a while. Uh, yes, sadly, yeah. too often <laughs> we are. Yeah, but, so it's that's good reading too. I think when a film, you know, I did this after I saw the film, I started reading about you know this this tribe and these people and this kingdom, and I thought, oh man. You know, history is just full of curveballs they throw you all the time. Mm-hmm. And in, a, in well, a, a world now where we want to suppress history, right? the, the um, relevance is really, I think. It's key. just more and more. I, I felt like we were watching something that we needed to see now. And I think that, that that's what good filmmaking is doing, and that's mm-hmm. the, the story that's being told. I mean, basically, sadly, we we kind of just live in a world where we 
continue to repeat history. It's like when why why don't you, didn't you learn this the first time? No, we just no. go back and do it again. We and, keep repeating like crazy. And I think that that's why this was so um, relevant and probably so emotional and. And I thought really beautiful. Yeah, and I hope when the Oscar nominations come out, which is after the first of the year, that that this gets a little love. I think she gets a lot of love. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of sidebar performances in here by, by a couple of the other women who are most of them are all new to me. Yeah. Um, the I, girl that kind of plays her protege. Yeah. Um, was great. It's just you can't take your eyes off. Yeah. Of her. And her and her kind of partner in crime. Yeah. Um, second in command was amazing. And who is this director? I mean, yes, but, and maybe it's in the industry a lot of people know her, but these these new faces are coming out making movies. That's exciting. You, you know, we had this thing years ago, and I, I don't want to digress too much. I want to get to the wine, but we had this thing years ago where there was just a lot of knock that a lot of African-American filmmakers and actors and actresses in the world were not getting a chance. And we, we were starting to, you know, count every year how many people got chances sure. and it was really low and and people got mad and said well i'm just going to go make my own movies and we're seeing we're seeing the fruits of all of that the last few years I well think. and it's it's also a character um you did allude to to peter fairley's green book i think that mm -hmm. there was you know that was a great film wonderful performances won the Oscar, yeah. but a part of that conversation was was the Viggo Mortensen character made into the hero for— Yeah, uh, another uh, white guy saving the world, right. saving the day. And that's the opposite of what Woman King did. It, this, these are strong, empowered, independent, fierce, beautiful women— um, and men, but yeah. just, uh, yeah, I thought it was but great. they will take you down. They will. And they will take you right out. <laughs> I mean, just look look the wrong way and you are gone. Well, and, and to do and that. And rightfully so. And to do that with a spear and, and to to not rely on a gun yes. to to fight. I also really appreciate oh, oh, it. One last sidebar. They dance a lot in they this movie. They dance a lot. These girls, as they train, because part of the, the rhythm of dance, I think, helps them. In battle. Absolutely. Is really interesting. Right. Hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. It's cool. It's great. All right. Um, so for our beautiful pairing, um, as I know I've talked about many times on this show because it's my most favorite wine, uh, Barolo is considered the wine of king, the king of wines, but the sister wine is from the neighboring village of Barbaresco. So it's wow. equally deserving of a crown. It is uh, slightly... Um, more subtle than a Barolo, but Barbaresco is clearly a queen. Um, both are made from the Nebbiolo grape, which is super intense, high tannin, inky, uh, kind of tobacco-y. Uh, it's a big, bold wine. Big, bold. Um, Hillside kind of. Grown in, yeah. yes, the northwestern um, portion of Italy and the Piemonte region. Um, I read an article the other day that I just loved that described Nebbiolo. Um, it's like getting kicked in the face by a ballerina. Wait, that's this movie. <laughs> yeah, very much so. That's the woman king. Um, you know, it's sharp. It's It has these this high astringency, this mouth-watering um, tannic bite um, that can overwhelm, but when— it has either the time to age and let those tannins soften, or as a lot of winemakers are, um, how they're treating the grape now, 
picking a little earlier, not um, using as much new oak, some of those kind of techniques, then the the wines kind of straight out of the bottle or out of the upon release are very, very um, approachable and ready to drink. Nice. Um, and the nice thing about Barbaresco is, and it's, you know, slight, the, though they're neighboring villages, soils are slightly different, hillside um, exposed, sun exposure, you know, all the things that kind of go into the tewa of, 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 of how grapes are grown is a little bit different. So the Barbaresco just inherently is not quite as intense as, as a Barolo traditionally. Um, but so you're not going to get as much of the Tabasco you'll get, or the tobacco, you'll get more of kind of some nice red fruits, but it's still going to have the power and the beauty that I think is deserving of this wine. That's why it's the queen. It is the queen. And, um, you know, there are are many options out there. Um, Marchesi di Gressi is one of my favorite. Pio Cesar is another one. So, you know, lots of good options. They can be a little expensive, um, Barolo especially can be a little expensive, Um, but Ricosa is one that when I I did my trip to Piemonte years ago, that was um, one of the main ones that we enjoyed that is so incredibly affordable. It's, they're ridiculous. So really, really great wines, I think, for a great movie. It's fascinating how you find these. I, I, I just, I think this is like the perfect pairing to me when we, when we talk about this. And also, if you're going to get kicked in the face by a ballerina, <laughs> you probably deserve it. I don't know why you're – you probably – Exactly. Well, and I also think, you know, we think of a ballerina as this this lovely little delicate um, little little pixie mm-hmm. dancing around in a tutu. But the strength and the power <laughs> that goes into – to to the work of becoming a ballerina, yeah, it's – it's big. I'm kind of fascinated that movies like the the Woman King even get made. I, you know, I mean, a few years ago, it would never have gotten made. But she, I think, Viola Davis also produced this cred. film. Yeah, and, and you get Viola Davis to produce and star in a film, and, and, and this director, I, that's really fascinating. Good job, the Queen. When we come back on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing, Zac Efron stars. In a weird and wild new film, it's based on true events from the director of the Oscar-winning film, The Green Book. It's called, and it's a long title, The Greatest Beer Run Ever. And we will be right back. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. And his new film, Zac Efron, seems a little (laughs) too old to put it nicely, to be playing a lead character in a movie about buddies and beer in Vietnam. And I think that he looks like he's about 40 and everybody else is about 22. Yes. But the film is called The Greatest Beer Run Ever, and it's currently streaming on Apple+. Plus. It's getting some decent reviews, but it's getting slammed a lot. You know, I, I, I think the ratings on this movie are pretty low. But it did kind of interest me because Peter Farrelly did the Green Book. And he goes all the way back with his brother when they were the Farrelly brothers doing Dumb and Dumber. And one of my favorites, There's Something About Mary. Absolutely. I love that movie so much. Everything about it is wrong and off-putting and funny as all get out. But this is – it's based on a biographical war comedy drama that's uh, directed, of course, and written – co-written by Peter Farrelly. Based on the book by a guy named John Chicky Donahue. And Don Chicky Chicky Donahue uh, wrote the original story, and it's about him. And that's who Zac Efron plays. 
And and he and it co-stars also Russell Crowe is in the film. And Bill Murray has a great little part good as part. a guy who runs the local bar. Yeah, that, part. that him and his buddies go sit and drink on the East Coast. They're all Boston. They're all kind of like Boston area or New Jersey. They're, they're they're Upper East Coast. Yeah, yeah. I think that they were in New York. I think they were. I think yeah. I think you're correct. They're in New York. So, um, but they all have really thick accents. And Zac really Efron has the thickest of all on. of them, thick accents. And yes, he's got this mustache and this wig on. And I think in real life, he's only like 34, 35. Okay. Sorry, Zach. But he, he, they've got him to play to look older. You know, the opening scene of this movie, it just made me question everything I was watching. Like, is this going to be okay to even watch? Because the screenplay is not great. But the story and the essence of part of it is interesting. You and I'm gonna. You liked this film, and we we discussed this. Yes, no. Okay. Yes, no. Because I don't want you to to back off of of our initial discussions. Because part of what I asked you right. was, did did this maybe touch home a little bit more just because you lived through Vietnam because your brother was in Vietnam? Right. Did it did it kind of that that trying to celebrate your buddies going out and 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 being with your right. your pals, I mean, did that maybe make this better for you, which I obviously didn't ever experience. Yes, and yes. Uh, I also say it's not a very good film. But I'll say that uh, I interacted with it because— So the ultimate buddy Vietnam movie about guys is The Deer Hunter, one of the hardest movies to ever watch. It's three, hour, three hours and five minutes long, and it won the Oscar for Best Picture. It's a great movie. This is not that— <laughs> So the, the, this, you know, these guys all go, and that that really celebrated friendship and loss because a lot of guys didn't make it in, in that movie and in, and in most Vietnam movies. Where this is about a goofy guy who seems to have absolutely no filter about him whatsoever. And he's, isn't he living with his family? So basically he's, he's in the Merchant Marines. And right. so he's only, you know, home. He is a veteran. Well, he's like still, I yeah. think he's. Still a part of the Merchant Marines, right. but he is home on. I mean, he only goes out for a few months and then comes back. And so, yes, he's still living at home. We don't know exactly how old he is. All of his friends do look like they're about twenty-two. Right. Um. And and basically, I don't want to set up the the film, but basically, no, he, the premise. Yeah, you, you he, gotta set he's up in. He's in the. He and his buddies go and and gather at this bar a lot, and the. The thing that was so weird that I found it, he he kind of had that whole, um, you know, everybody's, the Vietnam's great and we're doing good work and right. here we are and this is great and we're going to go and help our friends. Huge and, patriotism. And which is beautiful, but also not really just completely unaware of what's going on. Of in what's world. going on with the riots at the time yeah. and the time and, yeah, in Vietnam and many people were. As many more people were against it than were for it. Well, and and his buddies were dying, and right. and the people from his town are dying, and so basically that's kind of the whole premise is that he decides. So what do you do if you decide to do something? What he decides is so randomly weird <laughs> and funny on the surface. He decides to put a bunch of Paps Blue Ribbon beer in a duffel bag and take it over there and show up in three or four different areas where his buddies are serving in combat and hand them a beer and drink a beer with them and then go to the next one and then come back in a week. And how he gets over, you know, and everybody's going, that's nuts, that's nuts. 
And he's so randomly unaware of anything in the world right. at the time. And, of course, he gets over there and, and starts to do th these things. And he gets involved. He gets caught up in combat, gets involved in some tough things. And, of course, part of, the, part of what bad movies do when they're heavy-handed like this is he's got to learn a lesson. Mm -hmm. That war isn't great and perfect. And that war isn't beautiful. In fact, it's pretty damn awful. And in this case, it's really awful. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of the premise of this. Now, having said that, I'm going back to your question. When I, when I look at the protests of Vietnam and I look at people who died and I see kind of a little bit of what they're trying to do in a drama comedy, dramedy, is point out those things. Those things run deep for me. And so I can see an average to bad film that brings up and might have five minutes of clearance, mm -hmm. uh, five minutes of clarity in it that speaks and resonates to me. Doesn't make this film <laughs> really good. But a couple times in the movie, I got, uh, I yelled at the screen, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I do this because my brother fought in Vietnam and my brother died in Vietnam mm -hmm. in 1968. And so all of that resonates to me on kind of a different level. There's this weird scene where they go to a bar in, in Vietnam, and I think they're in Saigon, and that's where all the journalists are hanging out. And Russell Crowe is one of them. And he's got kind of a weird part. He's always good, but he's got kind of a weird part. And it's all this whole discussion of cynical journalism and trying to report on the war, and they decide to maybe do a story about him taking beer to his buddies. Right. But that's a cool little story. But that's a little throwaway story. Mm -hmm. And I, so I appreciated some of that. But, the, you know, the whole cynicism of it and the whole— I think what they were trying to achieve with this movie did not uh, get achieved, you know, didn't mm -hmm. reach fulfillment. But it has pockets every once in a while that resonate. And I think some of that also has to do with just— not a very good script. I'm sorry. To it's say. not well written at all. <laughs> I mean, and that and scenarios that that seem like they could have, uh, like how you get from from A to B, maybe could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Oh, and, constantly. Yeah, there so. are so many there Just inconsistencies, inconsistencies and, and logic in this movie yeah. of getting from A to B. The amount of beer in his backpack. So that that's honestly one of my biggest <laughs> problems. Well, let's let's get into that. I mean, he has this duffel bag that <laughs> is constantly on his shoulder and looks like it weighs about, you know, 60 pounds. Right. And, and he's going through Vietnam, and he's always drinking these hot beers. They are never cold. <laughs> They've been in a duffel bag for a week. And you know what? If you haven't had a beer in a while and you sure. just want a beer, of course, there's a bar— that, and every, that beer's going to explode so bad yes. on you when you open it. But um, but the but the bag the bag stays full, literally until then. He's like running to try to get on the ship or the helicopter to get to the ship to get home, and the bag. He's done his mission. Why is he still carrying around this sixty pound right. duffel bag? Right. Where did all that be? Yeah, the, you got and he got rid of it. It's like a magic trick. Right. Like you the open the bag and a whole family whole family crawls out. <laughs> kind of look like that. You know, they just do they they he gives out more beer than you ever, you could ever fit in that duffel bag. And that and it just it was a yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I I will say the beer that he gave out was Pabst Blue Ribbon. Okay. Which is you know, has one of the lengthiest histories in America for oh, tell me. Um, American beer. Um, so the it's the fifth largest 
beer in the U.S. established in 1844 in Milwaukee, yeah. um, best known for its Pabst Blue Ribbon. Um, 180 years ago, um, the original brewery actually closed in the 1990s. And today, after kind of a, a, a millennial resurgence of everybody wanting to drink PBR, um, it's headquartered in L.A. now. Wow. And I think that there's a a facility in San Antonio, or there used to be. Um, it was The brand was named after Captain Pabst, um, who took over as president of the brewery in 1872 after marrying Maria Best, hence the name, hence the hence. Wow. Um, daughter of the original owner, Philip Best, um, and it was called the Best, Best and Company. And then the actual... Blue Ribbon came about because in 1872, the second largest brewery is one. Um, it was selected as the best select um, beer comp- best beer in the beer competition throughout the 1880s. They had 1880s beer competition, and so they got a little blue ribbon that then they started manufacturing these little legit ribbons to put around the neck of the beer. And, right. And, hey, you win. Here's a ribbon. Put it on the rest. beer. Well, and then that became their whole marketing scheme. Yeah. And so every time, you know, any any time a, a case was sold, or actually it was probably a six-pack, um, had a little ribbon around its neck. So. Wow. A real ribbon. It was, it, that took a lot of ribbon. It did. Well, and then modern technology, and then everybody yeah. just started drinking it out of cans, and yeah. they figured out how to just put a ribbon on the actual marketing label. Did, did anybody in your family drink that when you were no. young? No. Because I think it was mostly an East Coast brand, you know, and I grew up on the West Coast. My, I'm Oregon. trying to think. My grandpa drank Bush, I think. Was Bush? Bush beer? Yeah, Bush beer. Yeah. 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 My dad drank uh, spirits. I, I don't remember my dad ever holding a beer, but we had beer around, and yeah. we had a lot of beer drinkers. So I, I and your but, dad would have these fun parties, and surely and somebody had these parties beers. in our basement. <laughs> they were legendary. Were they dancing? Yes, it was they probably had, better. Than they had bands movie. and loud music and a shuffle indoor shuffleboard table. Very nice in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> in the '60s and '70s, but but uh, but if they did drink beer, it was probably an Oregon like a Schlitz or uh, you know it was probably an Oregon yeah. based beer you know back in the day. But no, that was mostly alcohol. But I always I was you know every time I would I, my I have it in my head all these Pabst Blue Ribbon ads right. growing up. Well, and television I think commercials. There was something really interesting. So Miller Coors, which I I believe that they're one company today. I don't know mm-hmm. all my Miller Coors history. But they were actually, their brewery is who was actually making Pabst in like modern day. And then a handful of years ago, they wanted to to end the contract. And there was like this big uproar of, of oh, you can't take away PBR. You it's a working man's it. beer. It's a working man's beer. You can't take away. And so they, like, renewed their contract. And so now, technically, I guess Coors is making baths. <laughs> it's a very everybody. – everybody's friends with everybody. Boy, Coors is a monster, aren't they? Yes. They make a lot of stuff that we don't know they make. So I think the overall concept is not a very good film. It had moments that jumped out and resonated with me just because of the era and because of what 
I and my family went through. And I think that the, you know— And I've not taken anything away from that. No, I think that—and honestly, this Chickie's story, like, I I would be curious to read his actual story, his book, or his—because— if, you know, this did happen, and that is incredibly remarkable. Like, how did he get himself on a boat? How did he get himself into these war zones? That in and of itself is is amazing. It just wasn't executed very well. No, it's not very well written. And actually, the depth to Chicky is probably in his book. Mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of depth to him. Absolutely. I may be making this up, but it seemed, you know, his name's Chicky. But he did it. He went over there and took beer to his buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, Next week on Cogill One and Film, A Perfect Parent, a fascinating restaurant movie from England about a famous chef and what happens during one long night of service when everything seems to go wrong. And it's a good one. It's called Boiling Point. We'll dive into a fine dining world revolving around pizza. We love this. The latest season of the Netflix series Chef's Table. Um, there's nothing traditional about these pies, and I love that. I love that, too. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Aloha. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joe's, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.